Ephesians 4, continuing with our summer series on the book of Ephesians, starting with verse 7. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. What does he ascended mean, except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. God always blesses the reading of God's holy word. Come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. I think, what is it now, five months until Christmas? And uh, look, I know I'm supposed to tell you to be careful about materialism and and consumerism, and that's real, and that's an idol, and that can take and even destroy um, if we don't seek God's help in all of that. But, but I love Christmas shopping, and I love getting clothes for my wife. I love buying toys for my son. I love getting cool stuff for our soon-to-be tween daughter. And so I do love Christmas shopping. I love going to the store and hearing the Christmas carols. And maybe, yeah, there's sin there, like there's sin everywhere in our lives, in our consumerism, but maybe there's also a clue about who made us. Maybe there's a wee clue, as they say in Mother Scotland. After all, we are made in the image of a gift-giving God. Paul writes in today's passage, but to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Now, Paul, last week we talked about unity, unity, oneness, oneness. But make no mistake, this is not God creating a hive mind or a herd. We're not just God's herd. Mm, You know, we're not just there. We are individuals, beloved of God, each one of us. There is this dual emphasis in Scripture that, yes, there's a communitarian, community focus, oneness, the whole, the big picture, but there's also an individual connection. Read the Psalms, very much God and you, um, uh, and uh, the way Jesus interacted with people. So it's both. (laughs) It's a both and. And here, it's interesting, right after he has stressed Unity and community and oneness as a whole, he says, to each one of us, grace has been given. We are each graced. You and I are graced. And that's the best gift of all. When we talk about the gifts of God for the people of God, the grace of God given to you and you and you and you and you and me. The fact is, It's not about how spiritual we feel or how moral we've been or how good we've been or whether our family name is or how many degrees we have or how much Bible knowledge we have or any of that. We are graced. But to each one of us, grace has been given. So we start there. Grace, grace, all grace. That's why we're here. 
If it wasn't for grace, we'd be toast, every one of us. That's the, that's the foundational gift. Maybe put that on your mirror in the morning. You know? But to each one of us, grace has been given. You have been given grace. No matter what your grades, no matter what your performance, no matter what your trajectory, how good you're feeling, you're graced. Then Paul continues. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. Now here Paul is working with the Old Testament. He's quoting Psalm 68. And let me tell you about Psalm 68. It's an outcry to God. Psalm is the Psalm 68 is an outcry to God, like many psalms. It's a heart cry. Ah, help. And it begins with, may God arise, may his enemies be scattered, may his foes flee before him. And then the rest of the psalm recounts how this is exactly what happens in Israel's history. Israel is delivered from slavery. God leads his people to victory. And Paul takes this Old Testament picture and weaves it into a picture of our Lord Jesus Christ. Just as God freed the Old Testament captives through, through his grace, in his grace, from an oppressive force in the Old Testament, so we are freed. Now, here's the thing. If you look up Psalm 68, verse 18, you're going to find something intriguing. You'll find that it's different than what Paul quotes for us here. Apparently, Paul changes part of the psalm. The psalm actually says, when you ascended on high, you led captives in your train, you received gifts from men. Paul changes it to gave gifts to men. So what's up? Why does he change it? And, and I don't have a problem. I think Paul had the authority to do that. He was God's vessel for revelation. Paul can riff on the Old Testament all he wants. I, Paul has the authority to do that. I only have the authority to riff on Paul. <laughs> so, but Paul can riff on the Old Testament. But what's he's, what he's doing here, uh, I think there's some interesting uh, theories about it. And one of the most interesting ones where it comes from is where we think he, what, he, what scholars think he might be doing, some of them, is that he's, he's riffing on the experience of the Levites. The Levites, in the num- story of Numbers, the story of Israel, they were taken by God. He says, uh, I have taken you, brothers, the Levites, from among the people of Israel, and then gives them back as a gift for the Lord. Right? That's Numbers 8, 14, 15, and Numbers 6, or Numbers 8, 18, 6. Now, they weren't allowed to be full-fledged priests. They were kind of caretakers of the tabernacle. They were caretakers of the worship space. They were kind of a priestly auxiliary, right? But they were taken by God, and then uh, he says, I have given them as a gift back to the people, taken them from the people, and then given them as a gift to the people. What it's thought may be going on here, Paul may be saying gave gifts to men. He may be thinking of these Levites, and that would jive with what he's about to do in, in the next verses. Because Paul's talking about the gifts God gives his people. And just like God captures the Levites and then releases them into ministry, so the same way God captures us and releases us into ministry. When Paul says God ascended on high, he led captives in the train and gave gifts to men, we are those gifts. You and I are the gifts of God for the people of God. And Paul's going to get specific about that in a moment here in this text. I like that. I think that's a very interesting way to look at this text. There's other theories too, but the gist of it is we serve a gift-giving God. Paul, in the inspiration of the Spirit, takes the psalm, weaves it in, possibly using these Levites, this Levitical idea, to say that we have been captured and then remade and given. Well, 
what has you captive right now? Because that's, that's going to be part of how you can discern your gifts and your calling in your life. I mean, you can be captivated by a lot of things. Some people were held captive by our own bodies. You know, some people are ailing. My sister-in-law is battling stage four colon cancer and is in hospice. And you could say in some way she's a prisoner to her body, but you know what? What's really captivated her now is Jesus Christ. Because in a sense, uh, Beth Eli, she goes by Eli, she's originally Beth, but in some sense, Beth Eli has never been more alive. So what really has captured Beth Eli right now is not the cancer, it's Jesus Christ. And we are seeing that in a, in a remarkable way. And so she has never been more alive. And we will hold to that even as her body fails her more and more, like it will happen for all of us, right, ultimately. So ultimately, even when death captures us, it will never be able to hold us because we are held we are captured by one who is bigger and better and more, more larger in charge, and Jesus Christ. So even death is no match as a captor for Jesus Christ. But even in life, before you get there, what else holds us captive? Narratives about what success looks like, uh, money, uh, your, your sense of um, your history, uh, scripts that are imposed upon you that where you think you should be right now based on what the culture should tell These things grab at us, and they want to hold us captive. The freedom and joy we experience in our life from Jesus Christ will be directly related to being held captive by him first and foremost. Like those Levites grabbed by God and sent out, we are like that, being grabbed by God in Jesus Christ through the Father, his love for us, grabbed the hold of him in Jesus Christ and remade in the Spirit and then sent. And what we do here in church is we kind of wrestle with that every, every day because we all have those things that we allow to grab a hold of us more than God. What gets in the way of the Lord capturing us fully? That's a good discipleship question for all of us. We're all on the road there to being fully released, to being who we are. Well, verse 9, what does he ascended mean except that he also descended the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. You get the trajectory here. There is nowhere that we're going to go or ever going to be that Jesus hasn't already been. He descended most likely refers, as the great John Stott, the British evangelical Bible scholar said, most likely refers to the humiliation of in descending into the muck and mire of humanity, even death itself. He went there, there. In order, as St. Paul writes in verse 10, to fill the whole universe. So he goes from the bottom of the bottom to being large and in charge and more massive than we can ever imagine. He's everywhere uh, in his lordship. And this is an Old Testament idea. Uh, Jeremiah 23, 24, God says, do I not fill heaven and earth? So Jesus here is expressed again in those Old Testament terms. Paul is maybe thinking, riffing on the Levites, thinking about the Psalm, thinking an Old Testament term. This is a big theme in Ephesians. In chapter 1, we read of Christ's rule over the powers and principalities. We remember in chapter 1, remember how Paul teaches us uh, later that the church will actually teach the spiritual realm, we, the church, about reality in Jesus Christ. Well, it turns out, Paul presses that further by the time we get to four, and he says, you know how, you know how Christ is going to rule? As scholar Peter O'Brien says, it's through us, through the church. 
The church is the Lord's instrument for carrying out his purposes in the cosmos. How? Again, we go back to being captured. Through Christ, the Father does with us exactly what he did with the Levites. He catches us in Christ, releases us in the Spirit, graced with his purposes and his gifts. Verse 11, it was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers, to repair God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Well, uh, this isn't meant to be an exhaustive list of gifts. There are something like, I think, five, or there's, there's 20 different gifts in the New Testament, um, and uh, at least. And uh, so this isn't meant to be a, an absolute, um, uh, you know, full expression of all the gifts. I think there's five lists, lists of gifts in the New Testament that Paul lists out with more than 20 gifts listed total. Each list is different, but this gets us started. It's, you know, in church, it's easy that we do this. We think of what is our mission? What, is, what are our values, you know, core values, mission, um, vision, all these. And these are good things to think about. But at core, all of this is very simple. God gives his people and then sends us out to be gifts to the world. And of course you want to take time to conceptualize that, to think about the process of discerning our gifts, the strategy for deploying our gifts, the way we express that in our vision to the people around us. Absolutely. But we must never forget that at core, what Paul is describing here is fairly simple. Find your gifts that God gives you and then go and use them for the kingdom of God. Well, that's what we did yesterday at our session retreat. We had a morning retreat, and we began to discuss that. We had some fellowship time together uh, and heard each other's stories more. And then we, we decided to say, we're going to take uh, a spiritual gifts assessment test that's based on Ephesians 4. And we're going to look at these different um, types of gifts and see where our leadership clusters around. And we're going we're gonna to then discern from that how to move out and how to, how to equip and encourage each other in that, and we're going to take some other assessment tools as well. There's a lot of ways to do that, but that's what we do as church. And if you want to take that test and learn about your spiritual gifts too, you talk to me or, or Larry Bell or Leanne, and we can set you up with that as well, because we want to be a people that is moving out in the giftedness that God gives us in, in whatever form and shape that takes, and moving freely in the love of the God who wants to give you as a gift to the world that waits. And through your gifts, share that core grace that we talked about first, that is the greatest gift of all. We'll be forever refining and discerning and processing as leaders and as a church how to do all that, of course. But at basics, at core, the basic of it is still the same. We seek the triune God of grace who gifts us for his mission. And then we go and we do it. We go and live it out. I was uh, uh, sitting with um, a, a doctor one time in my former church, and you know, doctors like to diagnose, and I always diagnose churches, and, di- and, this, and this doctor is a good guy, but he always liked to diagnose the church, and, and, we fi- and I appreciate that, and there's a place for that, but at one point we said, you know, how about we go and do it? <laughs> how about we go and have a small group ministry? And yeah, okay, and he did. And 
and it took off. And it was, God is still using it, I think, to this day, right? So may, may we be freed in the gifts that God gives, trusting that, that, that they will become apparent as we seek them, and moving out and waiting for uh, him to lead us and point us where to use them uh, and avoid the process of analysis that can sometimes afflict us and step up and step out and trust. Let us pray. God, we love you, and we thank you for your grace and your gifts for us. Some to be apostles, evangelists, teachers, pastors, um, and more gifts, as Paul describes elsewhere in the New Testament. Help us to be faithful in that and move out and step out. In all the ways, and whether we're chemists or teachers or musicians or farmers, parents, grandparents, uh, mentors, it's the abundant ways and all the venues that we uh, can be in to be your people for the furthering of your gospel grace to the world that waits. We trust you, Lord. Help us to trust you more. We love you, Lord. Help us to love you more. We believe you, Lord. Help us to believe you more. In Jesus' name, amen.